Mac football pod. National Sign Day was last week. We don't really celebrate that too much. We're not we're not smart enough to do that, I don't think. But we do have some uh, some favorite signees. Caleb, who's your favorite signee from National Signing Day last week? Uh, my favorite signee was Joseph Watson, a walk- preferred walk-on from Unioto High School. So Joseph Watson, six foot tall, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. You know, you grew him in you basically grew him in Lineman Academy, you can tell that type of kid from a small high school. Uh, so Unioto is like really close to or it might technically be in Chillicothe. And it's a school that when I coached um, was a volunteer football coach in southeastern Ohio. We would we played them at their place uh, my first year, and you know they, they they weren't ever like a powerhouse, but they traditionally had a good team. And they usually had these big old beefy offensive linemen. And Ohio tends to turn some of these guys into really like decent like multi-year starters. And I wonder after watching some of the film if this is the type of guy that they're going to play as a guard or a center in the next few years. I really like uh, Ohio when they go after these types of guys. Hell yeah. And I love that you had that that, uh, that coaching connection, too. Justin. Justin, you're back. Justin Coffin's back. so glad that I didn't mess it up the first time and that you guys invited me back. Uh, your favorite signee? Uh, my favorite signee is a uh, person by the name of Danny Lewis Jr. Uh, if you don't uh, recognize... An action star, right? He's going to be a future Ma- future Maxon's action star. God damn, I can't talk. I'm the one screwing no, it up uh, for you. No, unless by Maxion you mean uh, someone that dances with uh, LSU head coach Brian Kelly and then signs with Nick Saban. Um, that was my favorite NSD uh, assigning because I just think like he had to know how funny that was. So dumb, God. Like, yeah. Again, we don't have we don't really have to like go too much into that because there's nothing that more that we can add to that conversation. Other than the fact that uh, we should be on the record to say yes, that was gross, and people that look like uh, like Brian Kelly should not be dancing like that. And also, really, no like Brian Kelly dance matters until like Jamar Chase lets him dance with him. That's that's my stance. If Jamar Chase isn't dancing with Brian Kelly, no Brian Kelly dance matters while he's at LSU. It would certainly help his uh, his image, as uh, which is currently I think like weird dad that people don't know why is there uh you guys didn't ask but my favorite signee is this kid named darius lassiter who eastern signed wide receiver uh from the juco route i always trust eastern michigan when they get juco receivers uh they seem to do really 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 well in that department but this guy specifically uh the only reason i'm mentioning him is because he's charlie batch's nephew that's pretty sweet. Sometimes we hear about so-and-so's dad, so-and-so's dad. Uh, no Charlie Batch Jr., but we do have his nephew. That's got to be good enough. You think, How many uh, times have you met Charlie Batch? I did meet him once. I, w- I also rode an elevator with him, but I wasn't going to ask him for another selfie. Did, uh, did Charlie Batch also offer his nephew a million dollars to play for the team? Uh, no, no, that's... No, uh, that... Why, why would he have to go on Twitter to do that? That's that's what Thanksgiving's for. <laughs> I'm sure his nephew knows his place in the college football hierarchy, but that had to be kind of uncomfortable to be like, God damn, like, you're, <laughs> I'm not, I can't I can't get any money to come here. I'm going to the same place. Yeah, I mean, like, 
and shouts out to Hassan Badoon while you say that because uh, right after the Caleb Williams thing happened where they offered him a million bucks on Twitter, uh, Hassan Badoon, walk-on, scholarship nerd receiver, first like thousand yard receiver I think in school history for a single season. Uh, he was kind of tweeting and complaining back and he eventually landed a deal with DTE. So I guess he got like some uh, some shine out of them. So uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. But yeah, this is Mac Football Pod. We are uh, not good about recruiting because honestly, we shouldn't be. Like we're so far removed from it. We should get excited for some of the, you know, the players coming in. But like as far as being experts and like what they'll actually accomplish on the field, the old model would have been better for us to do that. And even then, that was not an easy task to do. Now, with, like, the transfer portal, we can just expect, like, every signing class to be, like, 50% gone by the time we get, like, two years into this. So it's just not really worth the effort in thinking, like, which three star is better than the which three star? We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that at all. Um, so I will say, so, yeah, to kind of make, to add on to that, are we kind of... Signing, I mean, sure, recruiting classes are still treated as a big deal, but the the transfer portal almost takes a takes a little bit of the shine off of like the big the signing days and all of these things because people are trying to fill these big needs with players that are already proven or players that they think can step in immediately. So, like, you still have your top of the notch classes mm-hmm. and big time player like names like whether Deion Sanders is going to get the the number one wide receiver recruit in the nation or whatever, but after that, you're kind of just like, eh, whatever. I mean, you get who you get. It's it's just it just seems less less exciting of a prospect to think about recruiting, and I already wasn't particularly invested in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like you're just speaking like in general terms there too, like not just as you know a fan of Ohio or the MAC, yeah. but like in general as like a college football fan, it kind of has lost its luster. I kind of thought that like it would have built up some excitement because of the transfer portal though, because like so many players were like, well, so many classes were like not as filled up in the early signing period this time around as it was, you know, in years before because the transfer portal, I thought that was going to add excitement to February that that way, you know, USA could be like, Hey, we're the ones that ended up with Caleb Williams. Hey, South Carolina, we're the ones that ended up with Spencer Rattler. And now he's officially signed. But like, you know, all that stuff, like, as far as that, those announcements travel in the news cycle, those are all official by the time, like, the new semesters come up. So it's kind of just outdated news, and it's not as fun to celebrate as if, like, you know, kind of like you said, if they would have been in high school still. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks. I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's the most exciting day of the year, though. It, like, I don't know. Maybe it was just overrated the whole time. Yeah. Well, as with anything with college football, like every problem with college football, such that there are any, right, is like it always comes back to like, oh, yeah, there's only like three really good teams. Because mm-hmm. I think that it, it, the closest corollary on a much smaller <clears throat> scale in terms of the number of teams is like the NFL free agency period. And that comes with a lot of hype because like those free agency slash trade deadline periods can like take a team from middle of the road to the Super Bowl. Um, Like Matthew Stafford is playing in a Super Bowl this coming weekend (laughs) for that exact reason, right? And there is a reason why that particular trade between the Lions and Rams got a bunch of attention and everyone was really excited about it. 
Uh, I don't know that there were any teams that Caleb Williams could have went to that even a casual fan would be like, this changes everything. Like everyone's pretty much like, that's really good for USC, but they might lose four games this year. Mm -hmm. And I think until that changes where it's like, wow, like these people, this reshuffling can really make uh, a substantial difference and something that's worth paying attention to. I think until that happens, it's not going to be about excitement. Though I don't think it's bad that it's excitement. It's really just young professionals shuffling around jobs. And if it wasn't sports, you wouldn't even care to read about it. And a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, oh, you did mention uh, the Super Bowl really quickly. And I do need to point this this out in uh, our notes in the Potpourri section. Uh, We got the Super Bowl picture correct last week. So yay us. Go us. We are great. Listen to us. Always knew we could do it. Caleb, uh, what did you do with that Joe Burrow jersey that day? I wore it to the bar. Yes. Yeah, and uh, got very drunk. Yes, you did. And um, blacked out. Oh, well, I I didn't know about that part. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you're safe, so that's good. No, it's all good. Well, hold hold on. We don't know that he's not currently blacked out. He could just be really high functioning. This is true. These yeah, we don't, I don't boys are built different. I have this is I am on my third beer of the last two hours, so who knows at this point? Ooh, ooh, talk about content. Uh, but yeah, happy Joe Burrow Day to you, uh, Justin. You're a gambler like I. Do you have any tickets yet? Uh, I placed a lot of like really small bets on guessing the correct final score. I'm sure none of them will hit, but um, I haven't seriously looked at the game yet to make any like actual real bets yet um i do you have the line in front of you like, uh, no i right? think it's like rams four though i think it seems fair to me i would say that anything that involves like if i had you know had to make a choice right now something that i would bet on something around odell beckham's total yards stafford loves throwing to him right now and because cooper cup is a god He's pretty much always open. Mm-hmm. Add in the fact that he's Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, um, and Cooper Cobb so, is also, like you said, a god. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's probably where I'm going to be looking is like maybe smashing the over on those yards. And I've bet on him to score a touchdown, I think, the last two weeks, and he hasn't done it. But I think it's coming because he's catching like 130 yards the last two games uh, in each game or something like that. So that's where I would probably look. I had a couple of friends treat me out to uh, MGM Casino the other night, last night, for uh, as like a uh, quasi-bachelor party for me. So I got a few prop bets here. I've got Cooper Cup over 104.5 yards. Uh, Rams are going to win by 7 to 12 points. First scoring play of the game is Rams receiving touchdown. Caleb, I'm so sorry. You're going to hate me for this one. Jamar Chase, under 5.5 catches. Uh, exactly six touchdowns are going to be scored in the game. The first score in the game is a Rams touchdown. And shortest touchdown yardage, over one and a half yards. That seemed like an easy one, though. Why would I be mad at you for under five, having, under five and a half ha- catches? Not having six catches if he has three touchdown receptions. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna put up tight end numbers in the game. Absolutely, <laughs> I love that. I love that confidence. 
I really do think he's going to have a really good game uh, because I don't think they're what, – what sucks is uh, I don't know I don't know where Uzuma's status is. I haven't actually checked in the last few days. He got banged up in the game, and, you know, they, went up, they came back to win without him. And so having him would take a lot of pressure off of uh, whether, you know, the, the Rams can bracket the hell out of him and put two guys on him, but – I do think Chase is going to have a really good game. I don't know that necessarily that leads to a win, but I I think Chase and Burrow are going to have really, really good games. I just think they're going to be what meant for this moment, honestly. You guys got any uh, big plans for the game? Uh, I'm getting maternity photos taken. I'm not ready <laughs> for this. <laughs> but I, uh, Super Bowl party. There you go. I have to decide whether I'm going to go to a Bengals bar in Chicago. There is a place that is like a – it's an Iowa Hawkeyes bar is its main thing in terms of like having like a sports crowd. Hmm. And then like the secondary thing is that they're a Bengals bar. I've never been there. But I've, I've walked past it before because it's in kind of like the – it's kind of in a, in like a busy part of like Wrigley, close to Wrigleyville. So in but, Wrigleyville, there's a primarily uh, Iowa Hawkeyes bar that's a part-time Bengals bar? Yeah, so all of the bars in that area have, like, affiliations with either, like, alumni clubs or, like, fan clubs. Got it. it it's really common in Chicago uh, to have a bar that's, like, this is the Arsenal football club bar, right? This is the Tottenham bar. This is the uh, Michigan Wolverines bar. This is the uh, uh, Milwaukee Bucks bar. Just there are a lot of bars with affiliation that not they don't, nothing that, like, they actually have any connection to the team, but just – a fan club or a group of people or even just the bar's owner was a graduate of Ohio State. So it's an Ohio State bar and people go from and wear their Ohio State uh, mm-hmm. gear there for a Saturday game. So uh, I don't know specifically what the connection is there, but I do know there are watch parties pretty much every week for Bengals games. So uh, for that bar, there's two bars that's considered like Ohio professional bars. Like one's like a Cleveland and Cincinnati bar and one's like a, a Cincinnati specific bar and Iowa Hawkeyes bar. Uh, but I've also been told in the playoffs that you could not get into that bar unless you got there like hours before the game started. Hmm. So I got to decide whether I really want to go out and have a good time or if I just want to stay at a bar in my neighborhood because I have school next, school the first thing next morning. Well, good, luck. good luck to you on that one. We don't have to talk too much about recruiting. I do want to tell you guys about one team that kind of piqued my interest uh, over the past uh, few days. Let me just send you over a screenshot really quickly. Actually, it's not even going to be a whole screenshot. It's going to be a partial, uh, uh, a cropped out part of a screenshot. So I'm going to tell you what it is as I send it. What it is, it's a screenshot from a team's 24-7 sports uh, like team recruiting page. Uh, no cheating. No, no cheating on guessing who this is. Uh, I left out the team. All you can see is uh, the ranking and where they were at the year before. If you guys can look in your shared DMs, uh, Justin or Caleb, one of you two, can you read uh, the information that I sent you? Am I reading this correctly, that they were ranked 200th in their recruiting class? Previously, last yeah. year. And so now it's this be... year, it's 85. Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> that's. I think I saw this one. How I feel like it's got to be 
Let me FCS, give you. Yeah, it is program. not an FBS school. Right. It's an FCS program. Right. right. Yeah. So I'll give you one more. I'll give you a couple more hints. It is the highest ranked FCS team uh, in the recruiting rankings, and they went three and eight last year. This past season, they went three. Yes. Oh God. If you're asking if they've been really good before, the answer is no. Um. I have some ideas of FCF, FCS programs that can recruit better than the lower end FBS programs, but of a team that was three and eight, no, I have no clue. I think I saw that. Can I get? Can I guess? Please. It, is it the Campbell Fighting Camels? It is the Campbell Fighting Camels. <laughs> what? I think I saw this. I'm terminally on the line, so I think like I just I saw it. Yeah, I was the screen. Yeah, once uh, signing day happened, I was just like, okay, you know, where where do the top kids in Michigan go? And you didn't have to go far to look at four-star Miles Roser, uh, who was, I think the story was he was uh, originally lined up to go to Arkansas, maybe somewhere else too. I don't know. It depends on like, he was like flipping between two places, kind of, kind of keeping things quiet. Uh, next thing you know, signing day rolls around. He's going to the FCS. Uh, they've recruited a lot of good players in this class, it looks like, uh, from Michigan. Like, Rouser, he's from Michigan, Belleville. Uh, they have, like, a Toledo linebacker. They got some kids from Florida. Looks like they have some pretty good talent there. Um, this is not something that Campbell's used to doing. They only started giving out scholarships in 2018. So if you're thinking of, like, I don't know, is there, like, any FCS program that, like, we just never thought of before that might be on the rise or is making any attempts to steal some of the better talent that Mac play, like Mac teams should be fighting for. Uh, Campbell's one of them. Okay, so... <laughs> it looks like they're I, willing to steal some like mid-level Toledo guys. <laughs> hold the fuck on just a minute here. I'm reading a, the, the story on their website. 11 three-star or higher recruits in the 2022 class. What?! Yeah, for it, like in a Mac program, we shouldn't really be talking about that. Like, we should be like, okay, where's when? The, when are we finally getting a blue chipper though? Uh, for Campbell, yes, that should that's the correct reaction. It's the top ranked recruiting class in the FCS. What the actual hell? Who the hell's doing their recruiting? Uh, their head coach is Mike Minter. Uh, he played ten years in the NFL. Uh, he was part of Nebraska's national championship team back in the 90s okay so there's a pedigree there that i'm certain helps okay so he's been the head coach for okay he's going into his ninth year and he's coming off a three and eight season in his eighth year and he just recruited the best recruiting class in the country yep what like, like by a landslide so i'm looking at like the national rankings right here um, you know, I'm looking at Miami right here at 75. We got Wake Forest down here at 77. 79's Buffalo looks so far so good. 84 East Carolina, 85 Campbell. <laughs> it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, S- Central Michigan 87, NIU 89, Toledo 90. Uh, Washington's down here at 94. Kent State, Ball State down here 95, 96. God. 
when is that next FCS program going to come up on this list? Let's see. They, Any guesses of what it's going to be? Oh, you guys should. You should. North Dakota State. Yeah, no. North Dakota State. Oh, you're wrong. What's the South FCS Dakota, school that made South a splash? What's the FCS school that made a splash in the early signing period? Oh, uh, Jacksonville State. Jackson State. Or Jackson State. Jackson State, yeah. Yep, because they got that five-star from uh, from Florida State. Yeah. Uh, right underneath um, them by two slots is Sam Houston. They're going to be moving up to the FBS. Um, I heard a note earlier when I was listening to uh, the Cover 3 podcast, CBS, specifically with uh, Bud Elliott on there, because he was talking about how Cincinnati just – did not make a huge splash in the recruiting cycle and like only brought in like let's see I'm looking at it right now one two three three of the top 600 players in its recruiting class that's like you would have thought like if you are going to the playoff if like if any one of our MAC teams would have gone to the playoff we're thinking like our chances of like recruiting top 600 level players is like much higher than bringing in only three after a playoff year. That's just really wild to me. Just a note, just a note. This, uh, I don't know how much this helps explain what they're doing, um, but they have a very famous assistant coach in college football world. He is a former player. He is a former quarterback. And I guarantee you, he was someone that people love to use in the NCAA video game. Okay. I don't remember. Who is Very they? fast. Who is they? This is Pat White, is his uh, coach at Cam- a- the Campbell Fighting Camels. Uh, okay. Oh, Pat. Oh, at Campbell. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I thought you were going back to Campbell. Yeah. No, sorry. That was no, poorly on my part. But yeah, it's. I went to look. I was like, ah, they, I wonder, wonder who's doing the recruiting, right? Like Mike Minter made sense. I've heard of Mike Minter. But I was like, that seems like, that doesn't seem like it's the whole thing. And I don't know if Pat White is the whole thing, but I was just really shocked to see that name. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that there at all. Man, in this episode of Where Are They Now? Pat White. Yeah, Pat White, assistant coach at. Uh, who took 2007 by storm. To your point, I did, in fact, play a lot with Pat White and Steve Slate in this West Virginia. Right, of course. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Uh, the recruiting rankings for the MAC, though, I just want to run down the list very quickly. I don't really have too much of a reaction to this. I don't know how many times I have to say that. Uh, number one, in the and there's two ways of looking at this. Total player average, right? That's probably the better way of doing that, except 24-7 sports doesn't let you sort by the better rank. And I don't have time to, like, import all this into a spreadsheet and sort it. Yes, it would take three seconds, but I don't have three seconds. Uh, We're going by total points here, which is the flawed way of doing this. Miami is number one. Buffalo is number two. Central is number three. Northern Illinois is number four. Toledo is number five. Toledo, you're new. Toledo, you're usually, like, way the hell up there. What the fuck? I thought you were good at this. Toledo, fire your coach. Kent State, you're six. Ball State, you're seven. Western Michigan's eight, Bowling Green nine, Akron ten. That's actually pretty good for Akron. Not gonna lie. Uh, Eastern eleven, and Ohio twelve. Yeah, surprise! Fucking surprise. Toledo, why are you at five? That is weird to me. That's like the only thing that stands out on this list to me. 
Let's see. Bunch of players from Florida, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're just uh, playing the transfer portal. One player that uh, did come uh, through the transfer portal to them, this is kind of old news, though, is uh, running back Penny Boone. Uh, he's a Detroit guy, so you know he's good. Uh, went to Maryland for a hot second, spent a couple seasons there, and now he's coming to Toledo for like three years of eligibility, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stake it right now. He's he's gonna be really good in the MAC, really really good running back. I was really hoping he would like end up at Eastern somehow, but that's not the case. Uh, yeah, look out for him. If let's see the high school scouting report on his 24/7 page. Uh, let's see. They comp him to. Oh, I just saw the name. They comp him to T.J. Yeldon. Imagine T.J. Yeldon in that uh, Toledo offense. I'm sure, they'll take it. <laughs> uh, last thing on here, and then we'll get out of here because Caleb, you have a, uh, you have some Illinois stuff to write about. You know what? We're gonna call an audible here. Caleb, give us an Illinois sports update. What's going on in this no, uh, no, the state of no. Illinois? No, why would you ask this? Why not? Uh, you're good. At, you're good at this. Fine. Because um, I want people on here to know that you have a Ko-Fi account that uh, people can buy you cups of coffee too. <laughs> That's great. Uh, by the way, somebody sent me a hundred dollars the other day. Yes. I'm like, bro. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Um. So we're recording this on a Sunday on Saturday night. Uh, Bronny James's team came to Illinois and played at the Wintrust Center in Chicago. And they played uh, the undefeated number one team in the state of Illinois, Glenbard West, out in the suburbs. Public school, um, they're stacked with it's just a stacked team of tall, lanky white boys. And the, like five of them are Division One recruits. One of them's going to Gonzaga. His name's Braden Huff. Um, there's an Army commit. There's a, uh, a kid who was an Army commit who decommitted, who's probably going to commit somewhere else. There's um, an Illinois commit on this team, all public school, and only one of them transferred in. And they went toe-to-toe with Bronny James' Sierra Canyon team. It was 64-64 in the final seconds, and they and Sierra Canyon hit a tr- corner triple three-pointer. And that was – but, like, it was kind of – it was really cool to see basically how you had, like, the entire state of Illinois. Like, Chicago itself is – might as well be its own goddamn state, right? Mm-hmm. And in terms of like the amount of uh, athletics there is there, like every, for a night, everybody was kind of united around Glenbard West basketball, which was kind of cool. Um, and so that was kind of one of the cooler things that's happened in recent memory. And we're heading towards like the postseason for boys and girls basketball. I've been freelancing my ass off like crazy for the last couple of weeks and uh, in the middle of doing offseason training stuff for football. So already kind of thinking about could what 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 is uh, spring football going to look like and starting to see if maybe I could write some stories for her about local kids who've played for max schools I've already started to like look through some rosters and see okay who are the kids who've gone from here and played for western and played for Toledo and played for um, Miami etc cetera, etc cetera, because there are a few of those guys ball state for example uh, so maybe I might be on the lookout for that for guys like a, a story about spring ball guys and players from the Chicago suburbs who are playing for Mac football teams also, one of my favorite things that you do is that you just tweet out like all of, like your top performers. It seems like nightly. Uh, on the girls' side for hoops, who's been putting up a lot of points lately? 
Why are you asking me these questions? Because I'm just uh, curious. About high school girls basketball. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I'm curious about my friend. Uh, it's the off podcast. season. This is how Caleb escapes from work, Alex. I actually just uh, I update. I've been updating a spreadsheet all season, and we put it on the website finally of every recorded forty point plus performance of boys and girls basketball players in the state. And so there's a kid named Aaron Onasimus from Schomburg Christian, who has had like three fifty point games and a couple of forty point games. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> As far as I saw, he's gotten some Division Two looks and some NAIA, NAIA looks. No, no Division One looks I could see of. Uh. And then um, there's a girl named Grace Nelson, who was a state champion, 300 meter outdoor hurdles uh, champ at a small rural high school in southeastern Illinois. She has the only girls 50 point performance in the game this season, and is also one of the is also like one of only two players with two 40 point games this year. Senior Bowl happened. I don't know. if – anybody here watched it we're really good at like not doing anything um yeah but you know we're not there live why would we watch it uh and it turns out that this this year this draft cycle the uh the guy that scouts are learning to love out of the mac is dominique robinson because he came in as a uh, athletic quarterback and you know what that means you're at receiver now but that wasn't totally working for him in his first couple years at Miami, so he switched to defensive end. And uh, he's been kicking ass. And now that we've watched him kick ass for so long, it's time for all the scouts that were in Mobile, Alabama, to uh, to watch him. And so Zach Johnson, or Zach Jackson, noted Akron guy, uh, wrote a story about him in The Athletic, so he's getting a little bit of praise there. Uh, what do you guys think? Day two pick for him? Day two pick? Day two pick. Um, sure. Justin, Justin. I'm definitely, I'm definitely <laughs> saying so. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of assume, like, unless it's very explicitly, people are like, no, this guy's going day one. That it's pretty safe to just pick day two. Congrats on your future Hall of Fame career. <laughs> hey, man, hey, man. We're we're recording this like a couple hours after uh, one Max Crosby was, and I don't. I don't know what to make of this award because it's going to be like a very stupid phrase, but I'm going to say it anyways. The defensive MVP for the Pro Bowl. That is, it's a high honor. You got to get to the Pro Bowl to get there. Right. So for Crosby, I think we'll say that a lot of us who are the Mac fans and whatnot very much thought Crosby could be a big deal in the NFL. I don't think Mm -hmm. there were a lot of, a lot of us who were like, Eh, don't think he's going to pan. I think we're all pretty much like, yeah, he has a good chance to be good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, prob- he's I don't, probably better than a lot of us thought he would be, though. I was just going to say, I don't I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good. Like, right. honest to God, in the next couple of years, like, best defensive end of the NFL type good. Yeah. Like, swear to God, he could be at that level very soon. Yeah, uh, yeah as much as a homer I want to be, like, I can't say I thought that either. I will say no. You like, did think it about Pat O'Connor, though, didn't you? Uh, no, no, not nearly as much. No, no. If I had to, like, no, I, I get hindsight is hindsight, but I know my feelings towards Max were like way stronger than one of uh, Pat O'Connor. Uh, uh, I love I, Pat O'Connor. And you guys can check the archives if you want to, but I'm pretty sure I said that, like, at the time before they both played the 2018 seasons that. Sutton Smith's probably going to be like the better college performer 
But when it comes to being like a draftable prospect, Max Crosby's probably more of that guy. Because Sutton Smith was just like, even though he was racking up, what, 30 sacks or some shit, like 30 tackles for loss, 18 sacks, I don't know how much he was doing. He was just doing crazy stuff. He was just running through dudes. And you can run through dudes when you're just like the strongest Mac player uh, all you want. But, I mean, and again, hindsight is hindsight. But, you know, Crosby was just like so damn versatile and like, the way that he built was building into the game and has become the player that he is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just liked that more at the time. I liked the versatility that, uh, that he proposed, but yeah, like for him to be like, actually like legitimately the shit in the league. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. I thought he'd be good. Not the shit. Yeah. Is there anybody in – we can talk about more about it later, but let's just end on this really quickly since we did kind of bring it up with Dominique Robinson and Caleb does have to go fold his socks. Is there anybody in this draft process or draft class that might be the surprise guy to look for? Like, we think he's going to be pretty good, but what if he becomes the shit like Max Crosby? Max specifically, are you asking? Just like anybody in this draft class coming up. So, like, I don't know, Sky Moore – Caleb Ellaby. That's a excellent question. Um, what about the uh, the lineman from Central? Oh, um, Raymond. Raymond, yeah, yeah, he's he, gonna be a high pick. Yeah, it seems like yeah, he it seems like he's gonna go high. I don't. It seems like they were lukewarm on him at least like on Twitter. So take take it for what it's worth. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, like that, mm-hmm. his practices weren't awesome. Um. But, like, he's fine. <laughs> like, he's going to be good. Um, so that might be the one. I, I don't know that, like, in terms of, like, the average person measuring their importance to a team, like, in the way that you can with Max. Because, like, you see Max throw adult humans to the ground mm-hmm. violently <laughs> in a way that line play kind of gets overlooked on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but that might be a pretty safe pick. I do think Sky Moore has a chance to be a really good pro. And uh, that's based more on intuition than anything like actual, like scientific basis. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. Just, I just, I having watched his film, and I mean, obviously, Justin's probably watched a lot more than I have, but I don't know. I, I really like what he brings to like an air based offense. And, you know, they were running whatever it is they, you know, they ran the RPO stuff last year and, I think with different like route combo possibilities and how he fits into an offense that's more predicated on throwing the ball around a bit, I think he really could be like one of those guys who plays eight, nine years in the league and is pretty productive. But he's just a very good at getting open. I think the the best defense that uh, Western played last year was that week one game against Michigan. And if you were to go back and watch the game, you'd actually be pretty impressed with the way WVU moved the ball early in the game. And the reason they were able to move the ball early in the game and not anymore was because Sky Moore got hurt. Yeah. That's the long and short of it. Like Lester, I think, didn't really speak to it, you know, that much in the post game. Like there was a lot of other things wrong, like on the defensive side that got them killed against Michigan. But the offense was like they looked like a middle of the road Big Ten offense with Sky Moore on the field and they looked like a regular old Mac offense with him off. Um, Cause 
for me, I'm pretty bad at just looking at a player and being like, that guy's good. That guy's not right. But you can usually <laughs> see like when they leave the field, what happens to the team? Uh, and when Sky Moore wasn't on the field, the team was very bad. He also said something really interesting, I think right before he declared for the draft uh, to Pro Football Focus. Uh, he was talking about how in practice he'll watch a bunch of film and see how the opposing corner plays. And then he said he goes and coaches up the practice squad corners to play like the corner that he's going to face. Um, so he has to like kind of be player and coach at the same time. I just found that to be really, really interesting. And I think, you know, I don't know how many other guys do that. I'm sure plenty do, but that kind of seems like the right attitude. Yeah. That's like, that takes like a high degree of communication skills for you to just like quickly, like process what you're seeing in pregame warmups and then have to like, spit that out to cornerback six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to tell another player to become a different player, right? I mean, props to the practice squad player for being adaptable, mm -hmm. but also, like, that's got to be really hard. I mean, Caleb, you coach football. How hard is it to get players to play like themselves, let alone another player? God. Uh, I mean, I think you can hear my groaning, um, so <laughs> I think you, you probably get it. Uh, no, it... I think that's why coaches are going to really like him. I think he is the type of guy who is going to know how to get himself open. And he doesn't have to be more skilled than any receiver around just because he seems to be the guy who gets and understands how to attack his opponent's weaknesses. I've spent some time in recent months following more X's and O's guys on Twitter. I used to do it a lot more. I kind of slacked on it for a while and started doing it again. And I've spent some time looking at how wide receivers create separation and how they attack like blind spots how they attack based on what they see on film and sky Moore seems like to be that type of guy who is going to make a roster and will produce in some respect because he knows how to get open I think, what sort of things do you see in that in that film like when you're looking at it like when you watch what do you see what do you see that like jumps off about him or just anybody like as an example um i think for someone like him like you've got uh a lot of defenses know they want to they can't play on their like on their absolute heels against western because they're going to either get burned or get run i don't know they get run on the I, don't, I don't know what the best way to say that is um and when you have receivers who like absolutely attack their routes and it's not passive that's what's something you're really looking for in a receiver mm -hmm. when what they're, you know, they're looking to find space or they're looking to force uh, a defending player into a position or to get them to do something they don't want to do, whether it's turning their hips, whether it's sitting on the route, whether it's, um, you know, having to body up against that receiver and then just, you know, doing something they don't want to do. I think more is going to be the type of receiver who's going to get guys like get defenders to have to defend him how they don't want to. Right. And it's going to put him in a position to have success. Yeah. Cause it's their job to like read and react. And if you're, you're putting them in a bad position to react to you, then you've won the rep. Quarterback is the, the most unforgiving position in football because you can have all this glory about if you shut somebody down, but ultimately when your target, when your receiver is targeted, and you, you're playing against a good quarterback or a good wide receiver or both, the chances are they're going to complete the pass. And it's just your job half the time just not to get burned and just not look stupid. 
And you can be the best in the league at it and look stupid every once in a while, but still shut somebody down. So to sh- seeing, I think you're not, you're just not going to be able to shut Sky, Sky more down if he gets to the level that I think he's capable of being. I think my, uh, my Mac guy who is good, but has a surprise to be really great is James Patterson. Why the hell not? I can. And boom goes the dynamite. 